I'm Graham West, Disability Sector Consultant at National Disability Services, and this NDS Safer and Stronger podcast is about the Disability World Commission hearings, and I'll focus on key themes relevant to CEOs and boards. Arguably, the vast majority of the Disability World Commission themes and issues considered have some applicability to CEOs and boards as leaders of organisations. The policy team at NDS does a great job of tracking the World Commission and providing us with regular updates, which are on the NDS website. I'll focus in this podcast on information that relates more directly to their roles or to governance, and I've distilled this information to highlight six recurring themes that disability providers should strongly consider to take action on if they have not already. We'll mainly talk to the AFFORD hearing, which is Public Hearing 23, delving into the question of whether a board is discharging its duty. Conducted in the week of 16th of May, 2022, this hearing looked at preventing and responding to violence, abuse, neglect, and exploitation in disability services through a case study. It focused on the experiences of people with disability and their families who received services in Western Sydney between 2018 and 2021 from the NDIS registered service provider Australian Foundation for Disability, it's better known as AFFORD. The Royal Commission looked at AFFORD's response to the abuse of several people with disability participating in its day program in Western Sydney by a support worker in 2019. It also examined AFFORD's structure, governance, policies and processes, and how those may have affected the safety and quality of services provided to people with disability and attempted to identify broader systemic issues exemplified by this case study. Also, the afford hearing is the first where a service provider board member appeared. I've grouped the information into six recurring questions and themes. First, what is the nature of any financial surplus and what are the organisation's plans for reserves? Organisational approach priorities, nature of reports from CEO to board, looking at incidents and service board appointments, particularly skills and experience, the workforce, their training and retention, and organisational apologies. On the first theme of finances, questions were asked about the nature of any financial surplus and what were the organisation's plans for those reserves. Are the organisation's finances and organisational growth given excessive priority and to the exclusion of quality was also asked. How do organisational settings incentivise staff to do their jobs appropriately? And where financial incentives may be in place, might these be skewing staff priorities? And the chair, Sackville, said, the evidence that we've heard has been consistent that for long periods, perhaps even until very recently, the organisation has been finance, to use this language, finance orientated. And staff satisfaction seems to have been addressed previously by the bonus system and other mechanisms. Was that driven by the board? And if so, why was the board so finance orientated rather than service orientated and safety orientated? The second theme was organisational approach. And they looked at whether the organisation's approach was proactive or reactive and how the culture is set from the top of the organisation. They asked, do you consider if a sense of complacency has set in, particularly around participant to participant violence? And Commissioner Bennett, he's got this quote, which I found interesting. Does the board as a group, keep themselves up to date or receive expert advice on contemporary thinking of disability and inclusion and the changing debates about how people live and what choice and control actually means and the development of independence and capacity building. The third theme was the nature of reports from CEO to board and simply 
they were looking for our incidents and service given sufficient gravity. On the theme of board appointments and the skills and experience that they have, do board members have experience in disability services? And are people with disability represented on the board? Are board members recruited through a formal, open and competitive process? Or is it through friends of friends type networks? They also looked at the time limits for board appointments. They also looked at what kinds of skills does the board seek in recruiting a CEO? Commercial expertise, was that to the exclusion of person-centeredness? Social services experiences, were they there? And what was the focus on quality of services by the potential leaders? And has the board and CEO received training in human rights and trauma-informed approaches was a focus. Do board members and CEOs visit service sites regularly and do they speak to service users? And they also looked, are the visits random or unannounced? When a board may develop concerns about a CEO, they were looking at what steps would it take? A quote from Chair Sackfull on this theme was that, as a director reading this report, it's very difficult to escape the conclusion that what the CEO was doing was running the business as if it were a business with the guidelines of profit, revenue, and increasing size. There's hardly a mention in here of anything that has to do with providing quality services to the people with disability who are meant to be the focus of the organisation. Now, if, it, if my assumption is right, that this is the reading of this document, it's a bit difficult to see how the board couldn't have got up and basically said, this CEO is not doing his job. The fifth theme was workforce training and retention. They looked at training of workers, particularly was training including information on preventing and responding to abuse, behaviours of concern and behaviour support plans and people with high needs. And on the issue of retention, looked at how organisations seek to address staff turnover and specifically, do they hold exit interviews? The last theme is when organisations seek to apologise. The Royal Commission looked at who ultimately would take responsibility for the organisation and its failures, the CEO, board or both? And do they do it in a way that places the victim survivors' views and interests above all else? Do they approach the victim survivors first regarding the substance and form of an apology and whether these meet the victim survivors' expectations? Are they clear on what they are apologising for? And are apologies accompanied with offers of support and or compensation. If done publicly, are organisations careful not to spin the apology in an attempt to salvage the organisation's reputation? In finishing, the Disability Royal Commission runs through until September 2023, so I'm sure there'll be many more signature moments for senior leaders. I encourage you to stay abreast of these and take action when improvement opportunities are identified to improve your governance and service outcomes. Thanks for listening.